Oh, very nice, very nice, very nice. Ow! Hot helmet. Hey everyone, welcome to a long-awaited Bike Shop Boyfriend episode. I'm your host, Dustin. Uh, it has been a little of a long time, and uh, I will get to those reasons in another episode. But for right now, I kind of want to get into some new uh, some new goings on here that uh, has come across Bike Shop Boyfriend Central uh, slash HQ, aka my my couch in my apartment here. Um, it's a new helmet. So I've got a brand spanking new helmet and I should maybe give a little bit of a background um, as to my previous helmet. Um, it's often uh, one of those very personal reasons that um, you, you kind of want to uh, sort of, it's a contact point is really what I think I'm trying to say here. Uh, contact points, for your entire bike, actually, are uh, very uh, personal. So uh, a helmet is just the exact same thing, where you want it to really fit onto your head really, really nice. Um, you don't want it to create any pressure points that feel like uh, an annoying sibling's uh, finger resting on your head, uh, creating a bit of a headache situation or a tension situation. Um, and the other thing too is the amount of adjustability that uh, it would provide your head too. Um, but that all being said, most uh, cycling helmets are actually single impact devices. So every so often uh, you need to replace them due to an impact or accidental fall, uh, say sliding off a counter. Um, if it's in a closet, coming out of the closet and landing on the ground, you definitely want to check it, maybe err on the side of caution and uh, replace it. Um, and the other thing too is that after about three to five years or so, the EVA foam that a majority of helmets are still constructed out of does break down due to UV light, sweat, um, the elements, and all that good stuff. And you know what? Sometimes technology in three to five years uh, improves just a little bit. You either get a bit more airflow, um, a little bit lighter helmets, because if you're riding for extended periods of time, a helmet on your head is actually uh, a pretty good thing to ease up the amount of weight. Uh, the human skull and tissue weighs about three to five pounds, depending on individual. So having that extra few hundred grams of weight can actually uh, be a bit of a burden too. Um, just fun facts here on the Bike Shop Boy podcast, I just realized. Uh, and then also too, you just want to maybe refresh your look. So aesthetics, uh, you can totally change your opinion of how something, what looks good after three to five years. So these are all important things when uh, coming into uh, a new helmet decision. Um, I've got a few things to add to all that uh, in the uh, in the manner of um, one the construction of most helmets. Uh, there's a lot that don't have the acrylic base that actually goes underneath the brim of the helmet. Uh, that's a huge deciding uh, factor for myself. Um, I go to coffee stops, 
and I hang out with my buddies and uh, I like to take off my helmet sometimes, rest it onto a counter and I don't want the underside of that brim to get all marred up by table surface or what have you. Uh, it doesn't take on finger uh, nail imprint type stuff so you can't mark it up all that well. So, and also too, if you're traveling, uh, if you don't have a travel bag, sometimes it's nice to have that under the brim acrylic go underneath. It protects it from say travel uh, knocks and all that fun stuff too. Um, so that's one of the big things that I really look for in a, uh, in a helmet when I'm selecting one. Uh, the other one is making sure that uh, on my head, uh, I have a very pronounced occipital bone and that's the, uh, the ridge on the back of your skull actually, uh, where it starts transitioning into your neck. Uh, so it's pretty much the top part of your neck connecting into your skull, uh, maybe about an inch or two north of that. That's the occipital bone area. Um, and I've got a somewhat pronounced one. Uh, that's just the way my skull's shaped. Um, so I often need a helmet that actually has a really good amount of grasping power that my occipital bone actually gets inside the helmet and actually gets uh, grasped and uh, has a good secure enclosure, if that all makes sense. So it's hanging onto my head and it's not uh, bouncing around or anything like that. So always try on a helmet if you can, uh, just to make sure that part is adjusted properly. Uh, the other one too is that uh, you could probably hear that little ratchet noise there. Um, it's really important that uh, it actually is adjustable on the fly. Sometimes uh, I have in my hands here, and this is not the helmet I've upgraded to, but this is the one I've been using for the last three, four seasons now, um, is a cask protone um, from, it's an Italian manufacturer, and it has been a great helmet, I will say, uh, in the last, few seasons. Um, the only reason why I'm replacing it is that it is at the end of its uh, three to five year lifespan. So I figure I might as well replace it in season four. Um, it has a magnificent uh, ratchet ability and adjustability here for getting underneath the occipital uh, bone crest area. So that way you can hear that adjust. I'm actually extending it out a little bit. And then there's also uh, a classic dial uh, ratchet here, very, very soft sounding. Yeah, you can hear that. Um, but there's also these adjustable occipital pads that are totally adjustable as well. So there's one, two, three, uh, I'm counting three, three manners to actually adjust the helmet, um, just by that alone. And I really, really like it, uh, for how it fits. My one little critique is weirdly enough, um, due to my position on the bike when I'm really going for it or if I'm in a bit of an arrow position and I'm uh, my back is flat perpendicular uh, sorry parallel to the bike um, and I'm craning my neck up that strain of my skull uh, and my head rotating upwards so I can see what's ahead of me um, sometimes creates a weird micro adjustment on this helmet that I sort of find cinches my head a little bit uh, a little bit more. So I find myself actually backing it off uh, the dial just a little bit, just so I don't get uh, uh, a bit of a tension headache, I would call it, uh, from the helmet itself. So that's my one critique about it. My secondary critique is that cask, um, although one of the engineers and product designers 
did work on the original MIPS uh, product for uh, both Pac and I think Jiro as well. Uh, but he's from the MIPS background uh, production team and was incorporating it into the original helmets. Um, Cask hasn't really made a uh, mechanical based rotational impact system into uh, any of their helmets just yet. Um, if they do, I will likely be picking up another cask helmet. Um, Jiro really bought into the MIPS sort of ethos, I would call it, and the product itself. And that slip membrane I've seen in action uh, on a recent gravel ride back in May. Um, Wow, I've really been away for so long that I've got a lot to cover here. So there's going to be a lot of content, heads up. Uh, but just get back to uh, the reasoning is uh, I saw it in a crash situation. I saw the MIPS actually in play. And the best part is uh, the rider, even though they've dislocated uh, a clavicle, they had horrible uh, road rash and uh, quite a few cuts and bruises, no concussion. Uh, that's the best part about that whole story. Um, and they are uh, with us today without much head injury, if any, except for the uh, soft tissue damage, I would call it. So that person's all healed up. So that's good news. Uh, actually, I should maybe get them on the podcast to <laughs> maybe discuss what happened. But that all being said, uh, yeah, very happy that they are with us and um, safe and sound. But I, it was really a huge eye-opening moment to see... Um, people who have suffered a head injury while riding their bikes. It wasn't in a car crash situation. It was really in a gravity uh, loss of traction with tire and impact with ground type situation, uh, AKA that cycling. And yeah, it was uh, good to see that uh, the helmet actually works. So that was a huge, huge uh, selling feature for me to actually see it live. The other uh, thing that technology is coming out with, and you've likely seen it with uh, Bontrager actually is their wave cell uh, technology that they've come out with. Again, it's another mechanical slash EVA foam structural um, technology that is probably the best way to describe it is that uh, it sort of allows the rider to have that option to um, really get into uh, a less mechanically moving uh, piece of technology on their head and hopefully it responds in the exact same way uh, my thoughts on that real quickly is that it's great that bond trigger created something that moves testing forward uh, in by and large in the industry uh, we're seeing actually a lot of um, a lot of debate amongst uh, the safety impact specialists I would call it uh, really discuss like what is the best way to test protocol to like in for an impact helmet um but yeah that's a that's maybe a discussion for another time um but back to the cask protone uh love the actual look of the helmet and i have it in a white uh color and it's black on the inside, which is great. I haven't lost any of the pads, which is great. And I've only had to really wash it on um, really dirty rides, uh, really um, 
rainy days or on smoking hot days where I found that uh, the black straps that are on it got really salty uh, from being next to my face and uh, had just lovely, gross um, salt crystals uh, from my sweat all over it. So those are the only times I've actually washed this helmet. Uh, otherwise, it's actually in really good condition. Um, however, uh, like I say, it's at the end of its uh, it's at the end of its uh, lifespan, I would call it. Uh, this helmet was made in June of 20... Oh, uh, yeah, it was made in June of 2016. So, um, and that's, I got it later that year, I would call it. Uh, yeah. So overall, really happy with the helmet. I just wanted something with a protection-based uh, anti-concussive rotational impact uh membrane so what did i upgrade to is a great great question um that is also too i should be pointing out that the uh, casper tone is a very premium helmet uh, usually retailing in the north range of 300 uh depending where you find it online um or at your bicycle retailer uh it's yeah it's definitely on the pro slash prosumer level and luxury based uh, system. But what I upgraded to and uh, what I'm gonna be wearing for the next few seasons is a POC uh, Ventral Air Spin. It's uh, actually quite uh, quite the departure in terms of look, but very familiar as well. Um, huge vents all over it with a massive exhaust uh, port on the back. I went with the uh, all white um, race day finish, uh, designed and engineered by Pocket Says, uh, race day, ventral air on the other. The reasons why I went with this one was for a few reasons, and uh, let's just get into it. Uh, but first, let's give your ears just a little break here. Um, quick word from our sponsor. So tremendous thank you to uh, this episode's sponsor. Back to the uh, my thoughts actually about this POC Ventral Air spin is uh, I've actually really dig the look of it. It's not as uh, astronauty as the Octal uh, option that they offer. Um, but my initial thoughts about this helmet is uh, it's actually substantially light. Uh, I've taken it out on one bike ride so far um and my best review actually is uh i didn't notice wearing the helmet weirdly enough uh another uh rider who uh is likely to be showing up on the podcast maybe soon um just in candid recording he uh he asked me my thoughts because he already owns the helmet. He asked me what my thoughts of the helmet were. And I said flat out that uh, I was still wearing it and didn't actually notice I was wearing the helmet at all. Um, and I think that's a good testament to uh, the design of the helmet. It's remarkably lightweight. Um, as far as the venting, it was a very cool ride when I went out. So if it was to induce 
uh, an ice headache sort of experience uh, for creating that airflow. Successful, uh, very successful. I feel like I froze my scalp pretty good. Uh, and currently I've, uh, my hair's a little longer than normal. Uh, so I thought I had some insulating properties there. Nope, it felt like uh, cool jets of air were going over top of my head uh, the entire time. Um, it has some great ports actually for uh, carrying your sunglasses. So if you like to throw them up into uh, the helmet, there's actually this sort of um, slightly, it's a very, very soft uh, velvety type feeling material that actually can grip your uh, sunglasses should you put the arms up into them uh, and it actually it looks pretty good when it's on my head my one things um, that I'm gonna say in terms of negatives about the helmet is um, the occipital bone uh, retention system here uh, it doesn't really allow you to get your skull fully into it. I would have liked to have seen uh, a little bit more adjustability to come down uh, underneath uh, the actual occipital bone. But that being said, it's actually resting like right on dead center of my particular uh, back of my skull. And the other thing that I would have uh, liked to have seen is a bit more of a... Uh, steady engagement of the dial. Uh, this is the way the dial sounds actually. And I'm just backing it off. Um, so it engages the one way and it's pretty silent the opposite way. Uh, I would have liked to have seen maybe uh, a, bit, a bit more, it feels a little flimsy is really what I'm trying to say is that this dial feels uh, just a little bit flimsy. I would have liked to have seen actually um, the rock lock system maybe, or even a BOA, uh, collaboration actually on this helmet. Um, I think that would have actually been a really, really sweet touch, uh, just to give you that more positive engagement when you're actually adjusting the helmet for tightness, uh, so it doesn't slip on your head. Um, other than that though, I have an almond shaped crown, uh, to the top of my head and excuse me. Um, it, uh, it doesn't really create any pressure points for me. Uh, and I really, really like that. It's also got the spin technology. Now, I haven't heard uh, firsthand uh, any of my friends who have this helmet, them crashing and them uh, sustaining any kind of uh, impact issues. My knowledge of this system actually comes from secondhand uh, competitor testing. Uh, my man who works, at, uh, who works with Jiro he mentioned that uh, the spin technology based on where it is making contact with that part of the head is the part that uh, actually gets the slip uh, from their spin technology. So it's really location based. And there is one that's on the fore part of uh, the forehead and just a, maybe an inch uh, north of that, that's making the first contact. And then the second points of contact are actually making it uh, on the top of uh, the skull itself. So on the skull cap, I would call it. Those are the four, uh, one, two, three, four, eh, I'll give it five, sorry, uh, nine. I'll give it nine uh, spots of actual contact. Um, hopefully that's enough to uh, create more of a rotational uh, K 
catch, I would call it, to uh, to the technology. I would have liked to have seen um, Pac use the MIPS technology to create this helmet, um, as it's like a cohesive, actual rotational catch. Um, but that being said, uh, the world outside of helmet manufacturing, uh, Pac is uh, in a bit of a trademark dispute with MIPS so they stopped using MIPS technology and created their own um, and they created spin and that's where they're at now uh, that being said the reason why I didn't go with a Giro ether um, or even a Giro synth helmet is the fact that the under brim uh, part of the helmet is exposed EVA foam and um, I would say like even over the course of one season that under the brim feature because of my coffee stops and this and that uh would get very marred up and the life of the helmet um aesthetically would be diminished i would say pretty quickly so i'd be springing for a new helmet likely every two seasons rather than every three to four seasons um so that's that's the reason why I didn't go with Jiro. So Jiro, if you're listening, hopefully, um, my critique is bring back a little bit of acrylic uh, protecting uh, underneath the helmets. And uh, yeah, I know it's gonna add a few more grams to overall to the helmet, but that being said, I'd rather take that and have a longer lasting helmet than uh, something that's exposed and gets marred up by countertops and uh, fingernails and all that. Um, it just makes traveling with the helmets a little bit easier to deal with. Uh, that all being said, um, it doesn't have adjustable ear, uh, ear straps. Um, so it's pretty much a set one, which is, uh, good and bad. So if you have uh, a very long, um, top part of your skull, pretty much because the helmet's going to rest there and your ears are a little lower. This might actually catch your earlobes a little bit. So that might be a plus or minus depending on how you view it. Um, but that all being said, the strap and the webbing is actually very uh, standard and also a very good fit. Um, it's using still the buckle uh, system for actually fastening itself underneath the jaw. And yeah. That's my new helmet. I'm actually very stoked to be uh, giving this some love uh, over the next little bit. And uh, that's uh, that's all that's new. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Actually, also I got from Pac is uh, a new set of, uh, I'm calling them gravel gloves. And the reason why I'm calling that is that they're really a nice thin meshed uh, helmet, uh, helmet glove, <laughs> full finger glove that actually has a wonderful uh, full terry cloth uh, panel to it on the uh, tip of the thumb all the way down to the wrist. And it also has a gusseted reinforced uh, suede patch for uh, hanging onto the drops. Uh, and also, I guess if you were using these gloves for flat bar use, um, definitely a reinforced section in there as well. Uh, I'm coming from the uh, Giro D&D gloves and I found that I've blown out the webbing section between the index finger and the thumb more often than not and uh, pretty much I've garbaged three, 
four, four pairs of gloves already, uh, just based on that one design flaw. Um, I could size up, however, sizing up the Giro D&D gloves, I find that uh, I tend to get a little bit of chafing actually uh, in the hands. And you know what? I don't want my hands to chafe. So I decided to spring for a set of gloves from POC that, uh, that hopefully won't uh, die out, I would call it. Um, these are a size large and uh, yeah, they look pretty good. Very minimal uh, palm. It's really just something that if I ever crash, I can actually put my hand down and uh, hopefully the damage to my palm is not uh, devastating enough that uh, I need surgery on my palms. Um, but yeah, there's really not much of a palm here in terms of padding uh, for comfort. Um, but it is a bit of a micro suede type material here that's gonna be hopefully withstanding abrasion. It's very perforated as well, um, which will be really nice, hopefully for those hot days uh, when gravel riding. And, oh, also too, I should be mentioning that the uh, POC Ventral does come with a helmet bag for you to uh, put the helmet in uh, when you're not using it. So that way when you put it in your race bag or if you're putting it away for storage, uh, you're definitely letting, giving your helmet just that little bit of extra protection uh, overall. So this is a brief episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, it's great to be back. Uh, I wanted this one to uh, just sort of be, uh, it's, it's good to shake the rust off, I'm going to say. Um, I missed you guys. Hopefully you're all being good to one another. And yeah, more episodes coming back, coming soon. So uh, we're doing this in a big way again. So I missed you. Can't say that enough. And thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, as always, uh, give it a thumbs up. Let me know uh, in the comments what uh, you'd like to hear on the podcast. Um, got some new tech uh, that I own, I would call it. And because uh, if I didn't call it that, that would be me stealing, I think. Uh, I think that's the legal definition of it. And... Yeah, more to come. Here we go.